Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I have for you today the great love triangle of the century. In this corner, you don't want him near your daughters, you don't want him near your wives. He's wily as a coyote. It's Harry Grant. And in this corner, He's got to be lovable, he's got to be swell, he's got to say ah oh, shucks to when you throw him any kind of hell, it's Jimmy Stewart! And in this corner is some guy who we forgot the name of because he didn't have a career after this, it's the other guy who wants the attention of Catherine Hepburn! Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to announce for you today the great showdown of all time. It's the Philadelphia Story! Listen here, Red. We're going to be starting with the Philadelphia Story. It's a gentleman's guide to rom-coms. Well, I don't don't know what I I think about that. You sound like Jimmy Stewart if he smoked a little wow, pot wow, wow, and had a cheeseburger that. stuck in his gullet. What? What a disturbing image! <laughs> Wait, <clears throat> hold on, hold on. A, a big one. A, a, no, a big a, one. A big one. That's it. A big one. <laughs> oh, good old Jimmy Stewart. Hey guys, it's us, the gents. Welcome. I'm Kelly Song. I'm Ryan Graves, not Cary Grant. You probably thought Cary Grant was in the room for a you second. You thought Cary Grant probably was in the room with us, mm-hmm. or at least his ghost. Or at least his LSD tripping ghost had haunted us. Do you know they did LSD? It doesn't surprise me. That's the rumor, at least. I feel like more people should do LSD. I mean, in a controlled environment. Well, sh- sure, yeah. Well, you know, or at Woodstock. I mean, in this case, Cary Grant is in the room with you. It's as controlled as you would want I've to I've done LDS controlled. before. Oh, you went to one of their conferences? No, I married an ex-Mormon. <laughs> very good very good um (laughs) love you robin's like stop making that joke stop it stop it i haven't yet i didn't prep her for that we'll see what happens the first time you rolled that one out we'll see what happens at home that's a classic throw that into any party you're gonna have a great time (laughs) we're watching a movie we watched a movie we're talking about a movie Mm -hmm. that movie is the Philadelphia story. Dun, dun, dun. Cue the Franz Waxman song. Blah, blah, blah. But you said you had something to talk about, and I do too. So before we get into this bibbity boppity boo madness that is this movie, uh, what do you want to talk about? Oh, I had a question for you, and I guess it would fall into the category of Am I being a snob? Mmm, snobby. Almost emphatically, I can probably say yes, but go ahead and tell me the story. <laughs> well, I wanted to get your opinion on how you do this, because I went to get my haircut the other day. When I get a haircut, I like to be pampered. I usually get the all the options where they... I have the I, I get a buzz cut because my hair grows in a male pattern baldness method uh-huh. of, of hair growing. Sure. I was, I was wondering where the pampering comes in. Oh, well, they... 
I really like Portland's barber shops as opposed to out in the suburbs because in Portland they do like the hot neck shave oh, yeah. with the straight with razor, the straight razor. Um, and, and you're like, ooh, don't be Sweeney Todd. <laughs> they they do the the hot towel on the face if mm-hmm. you're lucky. Um, some barber shops mm. I get the 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 shampoo wash yep. plus the scalp massage. Oh yeah, I like oh, to. Oh yeah, I like to get pampered. Oh yeah, I really like to get pampered. Oh wait, oh no. Oh yeah, where's the story going? Well, here's the thing. I found mm-hmm. that when I'm scheduling myself for a barbershop appointment, in the notes you say deep massage. <laughs> I, I always say, okay, I want a buzz cut, yep. and I haven't been able to get a beard trim for the past two years because I had yep. to wear a mask the whole time. Yeah. But uh, so you, it would be a beard trim, but no beard trim these days. Um, oh, do, are they still having you? They do it now. Yeah. Okay. So I got I got a beard trim last week for the first time in two mm. years. Woo! And it was uneventful, but there you go. I, I also got my first one the other uh, week. Feels good. Oh my gosh. Uh, so then, uh, I, I scheduled the buzz cut, the beard trim and the shampoo is like an, a line item that you have to check off the shampoo plus massage. Okay. I'm getting more and more nervous. <laughs> well, what I do is I realize that I always make sure, I always make sure that it's a woman who is rendering these services. Is rendering the soap, the, the the soap shit, fat on your head. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing all those things. And I realized when... The auto select thing on the Square website auto selects a guy. I'm like, no, (laughs) (laughs) uncheck it, and I check it off Uh to be a woman. Uh And I was like in a rush the other day where I hadn't gotten my haircut in weeks, and I was just like out of time, and was like, ah, I just need to schedule a barbershop appointment. I don't care who is going to do it, just sure anybody. And I just left it on auto select, and it picked a guy, and I was like. Fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he did the buzz cut. He did the neck shave, but he did it wrong. Like, uh, wait, he, he didn't wait the, the shampoo he did wrong. We didn't even get there. We didn't even get to the shampoo and massage. Okay. I was a little nervous going into it, getting the shampoo massage from a gentleman. And I realized the whole time, like, I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It's cool. You're basic, I should let a gentleman, you're basically, I should let a bro massage my you're head. You're basically George Costanza right now. I am. You're like, it moves. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm like, I have nothing to worry about. I'm completely secure with this. Why should I be bothered? Okay. Um, But he wasn't gingerly about it when like he was going to put the hot towel on my neck to get it ready for the shave he like slapped it he, on like, there he literally like slapped it on and like squeezed the hot water on onto my neck and i'm like uh like, did he also rat tail you first <laughs> no but i wouldn't have been surprised <laughs> and he did that kind of like sheep shearing method of oh of cutting no, no, my no, hair no, just no, like no. I, I know what you're talking about and he did it wrong this guy was not gentle with me. Okay. And I like to be... Pan- Wait, hold on. Did you look at him first and say, be gentle? Be because gentle. you're supposed to. But I I rarely, not, I can't say 100%, but rarely mm-hmm. do I get a not gentle uh, service from, from uh, you, the lady You like barbers. a gentle servicing. Yeah. I, I, I must admit that I, I, I like a gentle servicing. Okay. And I, I have to ask. And... Uh, even though, like, when you schedule your appointment online, you mm-hmm. say, I want a buzz cut, a uh, massage, blah, 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 blah. We got to the end of the buzz cut. We got to the end of the beard trim. He shaved my neck. And he's like, all right, man, you're good to go. And in my head, I'm like, we didn't do the the, the shampoo and massage. But in the other part of my head, is like, 
just let's just get out of here. Okay, I got just not. I've got a question because you're asking. Go ahead and ask it. Well, is I being? Am I being a snob about this? Okay, is this the same place that you get your hair cut from other people? It's a newer place. I had to switch places. The, la- the 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 first time I went was a wonderful time. We had a nice conversation, and she was very, she was gentle. <laughs> she was attentive to your needs. Yes. Um, well, then I think what we have here is. You're a little bit of a snob, but I think I think especially if you are getting, I think I think having a good barber, that's personal, mm-hmm. right? And I have been going to my barber now. Well, <laughs> before the pandemic, twice I was like, <laughs> I found my barber. Yep, and then I couldn't go <laughs> yeah. anymore. And Robin took over, and she did a very good job for somebody who had never cut people's hair before. Never. No. And she just, she watched like a couple videos. She's like, I've got this. And pretty much she had got it. Yeah. There was like a couple of snips here and there, but I, I would say molto yeah, well bene. Done. Molto bene. Yeah. Um, but I like Robin's been going to the same hairdresser for 12 years, I want to say. Wow. And um, oh, might I say her hair looked amazing. I don't know if I had a chance to say that when I saw her last. Her hair looks amazing. Oh, you hear that, babe? Ryan's now hitting on you. <laughs> uh, well, your wife actually had the same, a very similar haircut after she, uh, right when she gave birth, didn't she? Um, or was that right she, after you guys got married? She cut her hair really short. Right after times. we got married, okay. Sarah resisted the temptation to get her, get her hair cut short after the baby. Um, it's a classic, you know. Uh, you know, they're grabby. Post exactly. My, my mom came to visit the other day, and she's got like longer than shoulder length hair. And she, every single time she held the baby, she's like, "I, I got to." put my hair back again but no to answer your question the head massage it's so unique after you get your hair cut to get a head massage afterwards it feels so good especially after not being touched by your wife for such a long time (laughs) and i i had some of those massages like in the midst of like being sleep deprived yeah and it was like those kind of massages where it's like oh my god did i fall asleep for a second i was so relaxed oh yeah and i think i think like i've had I've had a slapdash haircut before. They're no fun. No. No, they're no fun. And maybe this guy and you just didn't, speak, didn't the, speak the same barber language. We didn't click. Yeah. Because I bet, I bet somebody else goes to him and they're just like, hey, yo, Mike. Hey. <laughs> you Cut know, my hair, Mike. You know, use use those soft hands that you lo- that you, I love <laughs> you using on my head so much. And he like, you know, massages him. But he's rough. But to that, to Charlie, the guy who went in and said that. <laughs> He was, it's like the, the softest butter. And also, you're just used, you're just used to nice, really soft hands. Also, the barbershop conversation turned to grunge and someone was like, you know, I really like Pearl Jam. And this guy cut in my hair is like, I hate Pearl Jam. And I was like, oh, you're one of those guys. You get too cool for Pearl Jam. But you can't say that because he's cutting He's your cutting hair. my hair. <laughs> and I think, you know what? I think we should say he's the snob. Because he's he like Pearl Jam? Yeah, he's too cool for Pearl Jam. I think that's just preference, but nah. no, it's snob. snob. If anybody doesn't like Pearl All Jam, right, so we decided I'm not a snob. He's a snob. Yeah, I would say at least you're not a snob. Okay, yeah. great. Ding. ding, 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 ding. You won. You won your own game. <laughs> not a snob. Okay, before we jump into the movie, I, I just have to say we're talking pampering. Yeah, right now, and. I feel like we're watching a movie with a bunch of beautiful people Mm -hmm. that look like they were pampered all the time. Totally. I have been recording a bunch of video pitches for Mm. my scripts. Mm -hmm. Um, 
one because I advanced in a contest and they're like, send us a video pitch. And another because it was like the initial pitch contest. And so over the last two weeks, I recorded four and I have a baby. (laughs) I look, I didn't realize this because every time I look in the mirror, I'm just like, whatever, it's fine. But as I'm like watching myself, because I have to like watch these videos and like be like, did I say anything conceivable? Uh, I look like somebody <laughs> unwrapped a mummy and then sat him down in a chair and said, go talk about movies. Do you look like the meme from It's Always Sunny? Where you're like wide eyed and coffee frenzied. Yeah, where Charlie Day is yeah. like, I got a theory. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, I got a story. I kind of like the bags. I What I need, I need to, like, I'm putting this out to the audience. I need something pamperful. <laughs> For, for somebody who's getting no sleep, I need something to come from the other side yeah. where it's like, pamper yourself doing this and it'll rejuvenate your face. Um, well, I'm sending my wife to a massage on Thursday. I don't know if that helps you out at all. Does that make a difference to you that I'm sending Sarah out for a massage? Does that make a difference? Oh, uh, she'll bring me. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you're in need of is a nap. Yeah, I need a nap. Tell me your secrets, people, because I'm bad at it. There's well, no time. <laughs> you could watch a boring movie, but we did not watch a boring movie this week, so that won't help you. No, you better tell me the story of this movie, though. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. So this is the Philadelphia story, not a Philadelphia story. The definitive article defines it as the end-all, be-all story of not Philadelphia. Philadelphia, the movie no, with Tom Hanks and Denzel no, Washington. There's no AIDS in this story, but well, there is smallpox. I mean, none that we know of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just uh, it was just hanging out for forty years before the <laughs> epidemic started. You know, there's this. Um, the, a lot of theories about the set of this movie and a lot of people sleeping together, though. Mm, I mean, that, not that that has to do with AIDS, but one led my brain to the other. <laughs> there was a smallpox scare in the story for a second, so I don't know. They might be on the up and up. <laughs> but what is what? What was your first time? When when did you first see this movie? I was trying to figure this out. I think I watched it in one of my film classes in college because mm-hmm. last night I had a dream that I saw uh, Fred Johnson and Casey Andrews. I'm like, hey. My professors, how are mm-hmm. you guys doing? And they're like, "Hey!" And then I woke up. Were you all wearing leather jackets? <laughs> we were all wearing tweed. <laughs> okay. So it was in a film class, huh? I think so, because my brain dreamt of my film professors. So it must okay. have been like, must have brought up some latent memories. Mine, mine must have been. Uh, it must have been in college at some point in time. I think I dragged you to my film class when we watched it that night. Perhaps I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps, but it was it was great then. I've watched it once in between now and then, and then I watched it last night. Mm-hmm. And um, there, I, I really loved it again last night. I love this movie. I think it's one of the better comedies. Mm-hmm. But man, we got interrupted so many times by our baby. Totally. There is this flow to this movie mm-hmm. that is just impeccably done. It would have been worse if you were doing His Girl Friday, which yeah. has like an unstoppable flow. Right. And this one, this one's more just like a very, it it has almost, I want to say this movie has the perfect arc. 
Yeah. Uh, like where it starts off pretty slow and pretty methodical and we're just getting to know all these people and then the hijinks start happening and gets more and more hijinked and then more and more drunk and then more and more <laughs> kerfuffles. And then at, like the movie ends in a wedding, just like, you know, a good Shakespeare comedy mm-hmm. should. And it, it, to me, I think it might be the greatest example of a, per, like a, almost a near perfect movie. Uh, y- yes. The, the perfect movie is star Wars, but then this sure. is close second. Yes, yeah. I agree. And they have so many similarities. Indeed. So we meet our main characters. I can't remember who we meet first. If we meet, we must meet Catherine Hepburn first, right? Yeah. We meet yeah. her first. Yeah. We meet her first. Yeah. We meet her and Dinah. Yeah. 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 Um so we learn that Catherine Hepburn Oh, we meet her and like cuz they they have that whole prologue where Cary Grant um <laughs> like pushes her into the house. Just a little domestic humor. <laughs> <laughs> it was the times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it 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 flirts real close to being like, "Uh maybe I should turn it ah, I guess it's fine." Yeah. Um so we meet, we understand that Tracy Lord was was married to CK Dexter Haven. Uh, and it ended in a gruesome divorce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like he's exiting the house with all of his stuff. She's breaking his stuff. He's pushing her mm-hmm. face after he does that. He's like, yeah, hey, I didn't put her. It's like, yeah, I guess yeah, you didn't. I guess, I guess that's better. Um, so we get to know Tracy Lord now that we understand in high society that she's marrying Mr. George Kittredge and it's like a big deal. It's being published yeah. in Spy magazine. And, and George Kittredge is low class, but he's he, up and coming. Well, he he's not low class anymore. He was just born yeah. low class. He's now he's now high class. He he's just an had to work for his money. He's trying to like get to the upper echelons. Like right. he's working his way. Well, up. he he seems like he's there. He's just not old money. He's new money. Yeah. And he's kind of yeah. insecure about it. He's like, yeah. I want to make sure that this is all like, yeah, good yeah, to go. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we understand that that's going to be the nuptials that are taking place in this story. And we get to know Tracy Lord is a very Elizabeth Bennett type character. <laughs> yeah. She's Elizabeth Bennett with way more cheek. Yeah. Because she can. Yeah. She is. Yeah. I mean, she, she is, she's Elizabeth Bennett unleashed. Yeah. And she's very vocal and mm-hmm. vociferous, mm-hmm. and she likes to just make things her way. And like, I just love the scene where we meet her with her uncle at the stable, and she's with her little sister. And then we yeah, see and, and Dinah is George a card. Kittredge. Like Dinah, Dinah is one of I think one of the funniest children actors. Oh yeah, written. she's really funny. Yeah, and so she has Tracy has this uh, uncle, Uncle Willie, who's kind of just a lech. He like pinches her butt. His whole thing is pinching butts in this movie. It's like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, we meet George Kittredge and he's kind of a doof. Yeah. Because like he can't even like mount a horse and he doesn't want help. A perfect Bellamy. Yeah. He's just. Immediately. Robin said that because this was her first time watching the movie. She's like, oh, Bellamy. Bellamy right yeah. there. And I love how she tackles him and gets dirt on him. And he's like, yeah, what, what on earth are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to be high class. And she's like, that's not what being high class is about. High, being high class is not caring. You got to get all dirty. And being high class to Catherine Hepburn is not caring. And I like that. Oh, yeah. It, it endears us to her character. She's the right type of rich lady. Yeah. You're, you're the right type of rich. <laughs> um, and so then we get to meet 
James Stewart. Mr. James Stewart. And Ruth Hussey, who play um, Macaulay Connor and Liz Embry. Mm-hmm. And they're, they both work for this spy magazine. And the, there's, there's this whole thing where, like, like they need to be snuck in by Cary Grant. But it's this whole plot by Cary Grant. Don't basically. you love the shot where... James Stewart is marching uh-huh. to the boss's <laughs> office, yeah, and Cary Grant is stalking right behind them, and he's like, doo, 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 "Yeah," doo. and he's, and it's just like, well, Robin didn't even notice that Cary Grant was yeah, behind them at you first. Miss it. Yeah, it's like because he's just not drawing attention to himself, but the movie's just like, you see him, mm-hmm. there he is, here yeah. he comes, and the whole deal is that the um, Sydney kid, the guy who runs this spy magazine has some dirt on Tracy Lord's dad. And we come to find out that Cary Grant is like trying to get the scoop on Tracy's wedding in order to have this guy not publish this dirt on her dad. Yeah. So the, the counter offer is, well, let's just get all this wedding expose thing, which is, a super relevant thing today like that's what a lot of celebrities if they're like in need of some quiche Mm -hmm. they will go to people magazine and give them the exclusive on their wedding photos or stuff like that and they these magazines still pay top dollar to get the first photos of you know uh, do you think I should reach out? Yeah you should give you give it a try like I Facebook's the only place that I've really published yeah i mean maybe maybe see if you can sell them see see if there's like five ten fifteen cents per photo on that if anybody out there works for uh spy magazine or spy reach out (laughs) so they uh but but jimmy stewart oh jimmy stewart could could care less he's a short story writer he doesn't want to do this he's you is making him he's you i am kind of a snob when it comes to work not snob but just kind of like yes i have the skill set to do this but doesn't the world agree that i should be doing this because it's like he's a talented writer but he does not want to be writing fluff he wants to no. be writing like the no, real he does good not. stuff <laughs> Yeah, you're it's right. You are fluff. speaking to my soul. And right you now. have all these skills when it comes to filmmaking. You're like, why am I wasting my time on this fluff that doesn't matter? <laughs> I'm going to get fired from my job, and it's probably <laughs> going to be rightfully so at this point. Um, rightfully so, I would agree. Rightfully so. Um, and, and like her, his and Liz's relationship is it's like ambiguous. She, <laughs> she's she's the photographer and. You can tell that there's some chemistry between them right now, but you can you can see that Liz is kind of like pining just a little, but, but she wouldn't show it because she's like too cool. There's something there. Yeah. And, and like maybe they've dated. Maybe they or, made out a little. Or yeah, like maybe they've hooked up or maybe none of that's happened and they've just been like those friends that you keep expecting to. Mm-hmm. It's really vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then, and Jimmy Stewart, of, of everybody in this movie, he's the snobbiest. Oh yeah, right. Like he's, he's an intellectual snob. He's the he he's kind of the Liz Bennett <laughs> because yeah. he's he's like you all you rich people you're, you're all dumb idiots <laughs> and you know nothing about the way the real man works. Yeah. Uh, so they get coerced into going over to the Lord Manor mm. and they get introduced. And God, I want to live at the Lord Manor. <laughs> it's a beautiful big house and. Uh, Cary Grant makes his entrance to the Lord family and, you know, Tracy Lord is like, get out of here. (laughs) But you can't send Cary Grant away. Cary Grant is like, he's like a boomerang. You throw him out the door. Mm -hmm. He's going to come back with a smile. He like, 
is so wonderfully annoying. Like he's he is, and he's so charming. I and we we've, we've been talking a lot about Brad Pitt because we've had a lot of Brad Pitt movies where, mm-hmm. in almost every role, you essentially have Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. I think very similarly of Cary Grant, where it doesn't matter what role he's in, he can play different characters, but there's always this charm that doesn't go away. Yeah. Whether he's frustrated in something like um, uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, or he's, you know, <laughs> more dumbfounded in something like uh, North by Northwest. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, out of his element. Out of, totally out of his element. But uh, the movie that we, uh, Bring a Baby, yeah. where, where he's he's just like at a loss the mm-hmm. whole time. Or in this, where he's complete control and he's like masterminding everything. He still brings this weird Cary Grant charm where you can't get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's his essential quality. Yeah. So, I, I completely agree with all of that. And the story goes on where <clears throat> they're trying to pass off Jimmy Stewart and, and Liz as these... Uh, mutual acquaintances that should be at this wedding, but right. they don't but really prove almost it. immediately that's thrown out the door. And now it's the kidders kidding the kidders because <laughs> the Lord family is now pretending that they don't know who these people are. So they decide they to do. act very obnoxiously and bizarrely. So the little sister like <laughs> is absurd with them and playing this piano music. Uh, and they're, they're playing up to their expectations. They're like, Oh, yeah. we're going to be rich and we're going to only speak in French and we're going to play piano and yeah. sing. And it's hilarious. Yeah. My early childhood was spent in Paris where my father worked in a bank. The house of Morgan. Really? C'est vrai, absolument. Can you play the piano? I can, and sing at the same time. Listen. They have to keep up this ruse, but the ruse doesn't last very long throughout the movie, the way that other rom-coms have ruses, where ruses like right. last the whole film. Right. This like There's this thing where the dad comes back from hanging out with this dancer, which is the whole... The whole reason why all of this is happening anyway is because they're trying to hide this fact. But he comes back, but unfortunately, they've already passed off Uncle Willie as the dad. And so now dad is trying to be Uncle Willie. And it's like the hijinks aren't really in that, though. More of the hijinks are like the relationship of Tracy Lord to everybody else. Yeah. So they all kind of split up. Jimmy Stewart needs to go to the library to do some research on the family. And he goes to the library and I really like, what does thy wish? He's like, what did you say? What does the wish? Yeah. He's like this, this librarian is the most well-spoken librarian. (laughs) And he's like, even the librarians are rich here. (laughs) Dost thou have a washroom? (laughs) It's my favorite. This movie's unendingly quotable. So he runs into Tracy Lord. Who who, is wearing the coolest stocking cap in the world. Oh yeah. And previous to that, their meeting was, you know, Tracy Lord was being annoying towards Jimmy Stewart because they're in, they're crashing their wedding. Yeah. They're intruding Mm -hmm. and they're just trying to get some publicity on them. And she basically stokes the fire between him and Liz where she's like, are you guys dating? Oh no. Why not? Why aren't you married? Yeah. And it's like, I, 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 you're putting me on my left foot. Cause she has nothing to lose to be a dick towards these people. Yeah. But they have this very nice conversation where she's, she found she real she found out that he's a writer mm-hmm. and she found his book and she's reading it and, and she likes it and she likes it and he's pretty flattered by it so they have a nice little connection and you and I and our are in a place in our lives where we can't help but relate to this aspect of his character where it's like he actually did the thing that he wanted to do it just never launched him yeah and uh-huh. it's like well, yes, I wrote a novel and I'm still stuck doing this thing. <laughs> yeah, and they do this fun class talk where she 
she's like, well, you're, you've written this thing. Why are you doing a job that, you know, you don't want to do? And he's like, well, my bills need to be paid. And there's she's like, so much good, like middle class humor in this. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you mean? middle? Well, like, she, like there's all these, like Liz has all these zingers where she's like, he, uh, Oh yeah. Jimmy Stewart says, I'm not doing it. Case closed. And she says, bank account closed house closed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But between him and, uh, Tracy, mm-hmm. like she's, she's like, has these expectations where she's like, well, you should be a writer full time now, obviously. Yeah. And, and it's like, Oh, it's so easy to just say it like that. Yeah. But I, the way I, I enjoy this is the way Cooker directs it. Uh, by the way, this is a George Cooker film in mm-hmm. case anybody wanted to know, um, is, he gets all his points across, but he doesn't belabor those points mm-hmm. where it's not like turning to the audience or to the audience and being like, you should feel bad <laughs> if you think this. It's just like, hey, maybe think about this a little bit more, but we're going to yeah. move on and have some fun. Yeah. And so she offers him like, oh, I own this house. You should just live there and work there. And he's like, thanks, because it just makes him feel small. Yeah. And you, you're always wondering if Tracy, because she likes him, but you're also wondering if she's doing this on purpose to make him feel bad for what he's doing too. Right. But I think at this point she is warming up to him yeah. and just wants to be a helpful person and doesn't understand that throwing your stuff around doesn't actually make you look beneficent. It just makes you look kind of stuffy. Yeah. Although Robin and I were watching this and he, he brings up this point where he's like, well, being, being patronized is kind of out of fashion. And Robin and I were like, patronize us. We don't care. <laughs> we'll take it. Like if Tracy Lord wants to give us a cabin, like yeah, we couldn't but I say think no. That's, I think that's his weakness is that he has the pride factor. Exactly. Yeah. Or is he the prejudiced one? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't, you don't have any pride. You, you have no, you have zero pride. I have no pride. Uh, I'm sorry. It was beaten out of me. Okay. So we got them. And then CK Dexter Haven comes in again and he does not give Tracy Lord an inch. Mm-mm. And he says it, he kind of comes back and it feels like he's continuing a fight that they had and he's getting the last word in of this fight that he never got previously yeah and it's kind of like his last chance because like she's about to get married to this dope and he's just like you know you should know that you were pretty pretty mean to me yeah because he was an alcoholic but he's like you didn't help me with that you just kind of judged me because i wasn't perfect and you were all high and mighty about it and Mm -hmm. they he is in the first he's in line of this line of men who are are very angry at Tracy Lord and want her to know that they do not like who she is as a person and just make character attacks. It's like one after another. It starts with him. Uh-huh. He's very upset with her character that she's this very I feel like there's only two that really attack her character. It's her, it's him and then his dad does the same yeah, thing. But her dad. The contra- yeah. her dad, but the contrast is Jimmy Stewart won't won't make these judgments on her. Right. Basically, uh, Cary Grant condemns her for being this, acting as this, this goddess, this holier than thou of just, not holier than thou, but this. Well, she's, she's perfect and she demands it of the other people that she's with. Yeah. And she just kind of belittles the people in her life, like Cary Grant. Right. He feels small because of who she is. And uh, I think the the direction again is so good because that is definitely Cary Grant's experience. We don't know how much of that is right. not necessarily true. Like it's probably all true, but we do know by the way that he's playing it that he also has a 
a bias. Yeah. Like, and he probably wasn't perfect either. But then we hear how George Kittredge sees her. And, and it's he, as if she's a goddess. And he's like, Oh, I worship you. Mm-hmm. You you're a goddess to me. You're 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 not even human. I just I just love you. And she's like, Oh, stop, stop, stop. Please stop, please. stop saying those things. <laughs> and then Jimmy Stewart is like, You're flesh and blood. You're human. Yeah. I love how just perfectly human you are. And because just, she describes to Kittredge, she's like, All I want to be is loved. Yeah. And Jimmy Stewart's like, Oh, I'll offer you that. Yeah. yeah. And he just sees her just as she is, or maybe just as she truly wants to be seen because i think right. with carrie grant she wanted she did want to have the power of being a goddess over him because mm-hmm. she wanted that power in the relationship but she also wanted to be loved yeah and i think what this movie does is it slowly breaks tracy down into somebody willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. through the machinations of ck Dexterhaven. yeah and what that means is that like that person that she loves most, she's okay with because they're on the same level now. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those, the movie does feel a little weird because a lot of it is just men attacking her. Yeah. There is that <laughs> where it's like, you know, at one point in time, her dad and her mom are like hanging out again and they seem to be having a good time. And Catherine Hepburn like walks up and she's like, Hey dude, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like you were sleeping with this other person and like mom shouldn't be with you. And, and then he says, this is your fault. It's your fault. I went and slept with the dancer from well, New and, York. And we don't really know whether he actually did because he throws away this line where he's like, you think I did, but you don't actually know the whole story. Right. But he blames the whole scandal on her because yeah. she wasn't a perfect angel to him and made this whole thing her fault, which just is an outrageous villainous thing to do. It is. I. And I don't, I don't think he says the entire thing is your fault, but he lays blame on her feet for basically, he has this weird, it's, it's very patriarchal idea. It's a patriarchal justification for what he's done. Yeah. Where he's like, I'm not responsible for this, but you are. But the reason why this movie is good is because yeah, what he says is dumb and reprehensible, but the way it's written, you can also almost glean a point from it. And you can see his logic. Yeah. It's because like, I can see where you got because from there. It's the way it's written because he says like, um, he says, I think you know, men who have daughters are lucky, especially daughters who are like, you know, lovely and love them and don't judge them because then they'll never have to run off with somebody else because they're not missing their youth. Mm -hmm. And what he's describing is a weakness in men. And so on one hand, you're like, oh, you're, you're kind of being humble right now, but you're also being a big ass right now. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this character human, I think. And uh, the the reason why it feels weird is because Catherine Hepburn feels so broken by it at the end, mm-hmm. and you can you can take that as well. Her dad just insulted her. Of course, it's going to hurt her. Mm-hmm. Or you can also take it as he made a good point. Or you can take it as like a little bit of both, but she's not taking it a hundred percent as truth. I think it's a toxic, underhanded point. It, it very much is. Yeah, and I I do wish the movie made us feel that a little bit more in what way well do you think that the movie is telling you this is a toxic point um i think he's being unfair in whatever logic do you think the movie thinks so yeah i think the movie is putting him in a unfair power position over her i think the movie is doing that yeah but what i'm saying is do you think the movie of the time was knowledgeable about how poisonous his point was yeah because i think i think this like 
we see her break after this encounter uh-huh. with her dad. And I think the movie knew that this was going to be the, the coup d'etat, the, the cherry on top of the bad day that she's having because Cary Grant attacks her. Sure, but the dad never gets comeuppance for this point. Is, no. what I, is what I mean to say. He doesn't get comeuppance, but I don't think it's it's necessarily relevant. No, I it I but but I I do feel like like if this movie knew that what he was saying was also full of itself, mm-hmm. then at the end she she might have been like it's hard it's hard to read. She might have been able to defend herself, but that's what makes this movie complicated and good too. Yeah, because you you have to ask like, wait, is this movie being progressive? It's like, well, Catherine Hepburn literally gets pushed around a lot in this movie, so maybe not. But the movie is so concerned with the character and how these men are treating her in a variety of ways. Sure. Like we have from Jimmy Stewart down to Cary Grant to Cary Grant's redemptive way of treating her and like them negotiating their relationship. Yeah. It's it's just kind of complicated. There's all, there's just a lot of nuance to it. The way that other 1940s relationship dramas didn't really get at. Right. Because Kittredge, like basically we go from there. Also, there's this weird part where, she she has this conversation with Kittredge by the pool and then it's night. Yeah. <laughs> but like in, in, a, in a moment. And then she has this conversation with her parents. Um, and then it's the party, right? Because it's yeah. it's like the night before your wedding giant ball. I and they guess. get fucking wasted. They get wasted and Kittredge is just fed up because it's four in the morning and I get it, Kittredge. You're probably tired, but you're also hanging out with Catherine Hepper in the night before your wedding. Make a time of this. And it's I love fine. Drunk Jimmy Stewart. Drunk Jimmy Stewart is probably the best acting we've seen in this whole is endeavor. It better than who was it in Holiday Inn? Was that um, Fred Astaire? Fred Astaire. I think it's better. Oh yeah. Like one's one's more physical, but like I saw this and I was like, Jimmy Stewart's drunk, <laughs> yeah. and you can see Cary Grant not tr- like trying not to break the whole time, mm-hmm. but we'll get there. Kittredge is like, honey, you're hanging out with me. Jimmy Stewart, watch, watch your hands and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, I feel like this movie's being like, George Kittredge isn't for her because he's going to like, th- there's this fire and he's not going to play with this Mm-mm. fire. He's going to pour water on it. Mm-mm. Right. Yeah. He needs, there's no one in this movie for him. No, <laughs> no. But he needs a boring middle class character who wouldn't be in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. So, oh, and like, there's this subplot where Uncle Willie is hitting on Liz a bunch, mm-hmm. and that's and we feel uncomfortable. Yeah, for her. we feel uncomfortable for her, and she feels uncomfortable. But Jimmy Stewart and Catherine Hepburn are obviously having a great time. But Jimmy Stewart like leaves the party at one point in time. He's like, you know where I'm gonna go? I'm gonna go talk to C.K. Dexterhaven, and they have what is probably one of my favorite scenes in cinema where one's drunk, one's not. And they're just sitting down and having a conversation Mm -hmm. about Tracy Lord. But then it turns into, Oh, we've got some dirt on Sydney kid. The guy who runs spy magazine, the one who's trying to blackmail all of us. And so let's take care of that while Jimmy Stewart's drunk. Mm -hmm. And so they do, Uh, because I (laughs) guess that's much more entertaining than what we're describing. It needs to be buttoned up. Yeah. You just need to see it. Yeah. You just need to watch this movie. Um, So then we get to later that night and it's like, God, it's got to be morning by now. I know because they're at the party at 4 a.m. And then Jimmy Stewart like writes this article with Cary Grant. And it's like, it's gotta be like six. Yeah. Maybe. And so he gets, so Jimmy Stewart gets to, or he gets picked up by Catherine Hepburn. And she drives drunk home. But yeah. we, we have to assume it's like all it's on the same property. Drunk. <laughs> yeah, the cars didn't go over 20 miles an hour. Yeah. It's fine. 
Um, and they kind of chat and they have some swooning romance with one another. Yeah, because this is like there's some sexual tension in the push and pull where he's like kind of adoring her half the time and she's kind of adoring him half the time. But then she'll like when one of them turns cold, they'll turn it off immediately and then jump right back into it. Yeah. She keeps calling him professor and it's just it's good flirting. And it, yeah, there's a really good movie kiss. Oh, yeah. Oh. And then they like run off in this like uh cherubic run towards the, the pool, pool. That's and right. it's like are they going to go doink what are they going to do I mean, that's the implication and i i like this moment because uh tracy keeps talking about taking a swim and it's something that her and ck dexter haven used to do mm. after a party mm-hmm. and so you see tracy fulfilling these things that she still likes doing and she probably wants to do with ck dexter haven it's just they couldn't make it work the first time yeah so later that night slash morning, <laughs> still, still, they come back while Kittredge and CK. oh, because they had a fight too. Kittredge and Tracy Lord had a fight at the party. Oh yeah, a twelve rounder. So they're in, they're in that. There's a big event tomorrow, and we got in a fight, and that sucks. Moment. Yeah. yeah. So he's coming to talk to her, and it all comes to a head where CK Dexter Haven George Kittredge. Jimmy Stewart, Catherine Hepburn, they all come back. And Jimmy Stewart is carrying Catherine Hepburn singing the Wizard of Oz songs. And Catherine Hepburn is pretty much blackout drunk, just not aware of where she is. But she's being a sweetheart towards Jimmy Stewart. But for being blackout drunk, she's still high class about her dialogue. Mm. (laughs) But just in a single round of hellos, she has shown her cards completely. Yes. Yes, she... Like, can we just play that? Hello, Dexter. Hello, George. Hello, Mike. <laughs> so towards Kittred, she's like, uh, uh. towards CK Dexter Haven, like, uh. <laughs> and then towards Jimmy Stewart, she's like, hello, oh, hello. And I mean, if you're Kittredge, the writing's on the wall. Right. So uh, James Stewart goes and deposits her in her bedroom and then comes back. Uh, CK Dexter Haven punches him so that Kittredge won't punch him. Yeah. This is a great ally moment. It's like, yeah. I did you a favor. Yeah, I'm yeah, punched. Yeah. I'm punching you because you don't want to be punched by the other guy. And Dinah has witnessed all of this or half of this from the upstairs stairs, mm-hmm. the, the upstairs window. And so that basically brings us to the next morning where Tracy wakes up and everybody that matters thinks that she has slept with Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Like Jimmy Stewart doesn't yeah. think that, uh, Cary Grant doesn't think that Dinah doesn't think that maybe, but she's like this little Cary Grant is basically bugs bunny. And he like takes a stick of dynamite that is Dinah lights it on fire mm-hmm. and then just lets it go in the middle of the party when Kittredge comes over mm-hmm. and Kittredge is, uh, Elmer Fudd. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, Tracy thinks that she's slept with Jimmy Stewart and she feels really bad about it. Mm-hmm. She feels like she's ruined everything. Yeah. And like, I mean, cause it's, you know, it's unbecoming of somebody of her class Yeah, and you know, it's not nice to do to somebody. Also not a great thing to do before your wedding night. Yeah. No, especially <laughs> it's not a nice thing to do to somebody right before your wedding. Yeah. But Kittredge sends her a letter of like, uh, we're breaking up, but then he comes in person and well, it's like, and this is after she's found out she didn't. Right. Because like CK Dexter Haven's there for her and he's like, Hey, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know, we'll figure it out. And then he, yeah. When Kittredge shows up, 
Yeah. He, and that's when they make the announcements like Jimmy Stewart's like, we didn't doink. We went and we swam. We came back. We did nothing wrong. Okay. Maybe we kissed once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Robin was like, I mean, still not good. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but if somebody thinks that you slept together and then somebody else is just like, oh, no, 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 we just kissed. It's fine. I yeah. think that's, that's fair. Uh, it's fair. Right. It's fair. Let's let's no, no. What I'm saying is like, let's say Sarah came up to you and was like, Hey, last night or the night before our wedding, I kissed somebody. It didn't mean anything. I was a little drunk. Or she was like, Hey, last night, the night before our wedding, I, I slept doinked some other I guy. slept with somebody. No, I agree. <laughs> the doinking would be worse. The kissing is still upsetting. Sure. I, here's the thing. This movie is like, what were you doing the night before your wedding? What was I doing that before? I was because I think you need an alibi at this point because you were really defending. No, Robin. Robin was watching me play <laughs> a yard games with. All, all right, all I think you. I had my eyes on you the whole time, so I think you get off. <laughs> I guess um, it's fair. Robin knows, um, but the thing is, like, at the same time, if you are Kittredge and you're, you know, dating Samantha Lord, you kind of have to know. Well. That and you know if she if she did this and your immediate thing is we're calling off the wedding then you guys shouldn't have been together anyway right and so he kind of gets convinced of like oh I guess we'll let bygones be guy- bygones and Tracy Lord's like Dude. as long as you never drink again because yeah. I don't want this to happen and she's like all right no that's the last straw yeah goodbye Kittredge <laughs> and we're all like thank God and he accepts it like a Bellamy does he bends over and takes the slap on his ass and <laughs> exits the movie exit stage left pursued by a bear uh so yeah then they're kind of like then they hear the wedding march like fuck 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 what do we do yeah 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 and it's really hijinksy and jimmy stewart's like well i mean you don't want to disappoint these people why don't i marry you and she's like you're sweet but no and you couldn't really tell in this moment whether jimmy stewart was offering just to get her out of it or offering because he's like I don't know. I really I like think it's you. Both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we see this is great filmmaking where we see Liz being like, "Don't," and Please. Cary Grant's like, "Don't," <laughs> and she doesn't. And then Cary Grant's like, "Hey, uh, I'll fix this. Marry mm-hmm. me." And then they do. Very good dialogue. And then uh, the guy from Spy Magazine, like, he loses the war, but he wins the battle because he gets a photo of the wedding. Ta-da. Ta-da-da. The movie's done. Movie's done, but not this podcast. We're going to take a break, though, and then we'll come back for Trope Talk. And we're back with Trope Talk. I don't have a rhyme because we're not actually going to be talking about a trope right now. Nope. Sorry, kids. You'll have to wait until the next week. We're going to just talk about the evanescent element of the this film. Je ne sais quoi. They... <laughs> Uh, L'Escalier du Champ. What's that called? The the Escalator the, of Doom? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Uh, no, um, the Staircase Wit. Um, yeah, what is that? L'Escalier es- La du something. I mean, du we don't from, have it. L'Escalier du fromage. <laughs> yes, the stair- Escalator cheese. The Staircase of Cheese, <laughs> for sure. Um, but the the thing, the, the X Factor, really, that makes this mm-hmm. movie stand out. Is a it's cast yes, but yes. most importantly is the writing. Yes, um, it's written by 
John Ogden Steer, David Ogden Steer. It was a play. Uh, uh, there's an Ogden in there. There's an Ogden in there. Um, David Ogden, Utah. Um, Donald Ogden Stewart. That's one. Philip Berry, Waldo Salt. Um, play first, then became a movie. Yep, and as, this this whole thing feels like a play yep. in where it's shot. It's like um, a lot of these people places feel like they could be just staged locations. Yeah, and it's a very dialogue-heavy movie, but... The filmmaking is so good that you don't notice it. Doesn't feel like it's a bunch of people in a room talking. You notice it when you're recapping a plot, though, on a podcast, yeah. because you're like, "Oh, a lot of this movie is just people being in different areas talking about different things." Yeah, yeah. But most, not most, I don't know. A lot of movies in the 30s and 40s were just based on place. Um, that's yeah. where a lot of the source material was, because somebody would play in New York and everyone would be like, oh, it's the talk of the town and then they'd make a movie of it and then, you know, even like, I think Arsenic and Old Lace was a play, I think. It was, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I would never would have figured because it's like, that's such a zany story. Yeah, two old ladies killing somebody and their like <laughs> nephew trying to stop it. <laughs> stop it, aunties. <laughs> good old Cary Grant being dumbfounded once again. It's, it's really good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this movie you know if you think about it would this movie work today and i don't think audiences have the patience for movies like this today yeah well i i think you'd have to have like if you were gonna cast a movie like this today you obviously need the right actors you needed them back then too yeah but there is such a need for both charisma and capitalizing on the emotional moments of the dialogue, because there are so many different turns that each of these characters have, and each of them needs to be believable. I'm watching I'm watching Star Trek Discovery right now, and the first season is known to be not the best season of it right now. But when characters have like a change of heart, or when they are you know feeling an emotion and then feeling a different emotion in the next scene, we don't get there with them. It feels so stilted in like the emotional delivery of these moments. And in this movie, you get from emotion to emotion to emotion as if like they're on a rail. Yeah. Like it's, it's amazing. Well, I, I feel a little bad cause I've seen this movie several times. I own the criterion collection Blu-ray. So when I threw this on list and I'm like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Philadelphia story. And like, I totally underestimated the movie cause I'm like, Oh man, I forgot how like, nuanced and deep it gets and i couldn't start it until like after theo's bedtime and it got like to hour and a half i'm like maybe i'll finish this movie tomorrow because <laughs> <laughs> i was getting so sleepy. hey dad brain i get it <laughs> but some, like some of our audience might get there's it so much good dialogue and so much good character development that i felt like i was doing the movie disservice by not giving it more thought that's that's kind of what happened to me especially since it was robin's first time we had to stop and like you know, nurse the baby or put the baby to bed or do this and that and the other. And part of it, like Elwin's like crying in the background. And I'm like, these moments that need to be appreciated aren't being appreciated at their peak. Yeah, they should be. But isn't that nice that there is this comedy where it's like, man, I really need to like keep watching this. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's other comedies where last week you're like, I guess I could watch this movie again. I don't need to. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this you're like probably should watch this again in a few weeks yeah i like i am mad at myself for not knowing all the lines of dialogue in this movie like i was trying to think of a couple as we were spouting off the like the the plot of this film and i was like i've forgotten all of them that all made me laugh in the moment yeah and i need those back and i think it's an interesting thing to compare this movie to 
rom-coms today. Uh, if you take the golden era of rom-coms in the 90s, Sleepless in Seattle, When Harry Met Sally, You've Got Mail. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Is, well, Hugh Grant is somebody who you could put in a movie like this. Like, yeah. Like, Hugh Grant's generally in movies that show him, like, paired up against somebody, right? Right. But every once in a while, you catch him in a film that's a little bit more like um, Four Weddings and a Funeral, mm-hmm. where you got a lot of different people who are all, um, like, giving giving a little bit to the charisma of the movie. Yeah. I I have a feeling, like, if you took Hugh Grant from the 90s and put him in a movie like this, where you have like a bunch of competing people oh, competing yeah. in could, the same location. He could hold his own against Cary Grant. Okay. You know what we have a lot these days is, is something like a Robert, Oh, not these days, I guess, but take Gosford park, which is if, if you haven't seen it, it's like this upstairs, downstairs, like Downton Abbey esque movie, but it's all about like the mystery of uh, a whodunit. Yeah. This like comedy kind of has those bones because you have a lot of people in one place dealing with a thing. Yeah. And I would like to see that come back into vogue in the rom-com. Right. Because they're always like, ah, we're traveling across this city and we're going to this new place and now we're in a park and now we're in this. And they go places a little bit in this movie, but for the most part, it's just people having conversations at this house. Yeah. And I think that's what's weird about rom-coms getting made today is that they're not quite committing to any one particular subgenre of the rom-com. Cause like take another Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn movie of bringing up baby, completely different energy, completely sure. different sure. intellect, mm-hmm. but same filmmaking style of classic Hollywood, 1940s stuff. Sure. But that movie doesn't get deep. It's just wacky fun. Mm-hmm. And if you take a movie like I want you back, it's like, part of this has a little bit of that bringing up baby stuff, but then another big chunk of it has some of that Philadelphia story chunk to Mm -hmm, it. And mm -hmm. for you, it worked. And for me, I'm like, ah, this isn't, these aren't, these subgenres aren't quite gelling together. And I think maybe I would have had a better time if, and this is completely unfair for me to hold against I Want You Back, but I'm like, if you can get to the writing quality of Philadelphia Story, then I think we got something here. But I think there's some rom-coms that are coming up today that's aspiring to have some kind of depth and nuance, but it's not quite hitting what this movie's accomplishing. And do you think do you think that's a writing, an acting, a directing thing? Because I, I honestly think that this is... This is a movie with masters in it, and so it's hard to hold any movie up to it because we have yeah. three of the greatest American performers of all time, mm-hmm. one of the greatest directors of all time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else Donald Lockdown Stewart has written, but he wrote a great screenplay here. Yeah, And so maybe it's just the confluence of all the best things going into a movie, but I, w- I want to see more films made like this. I just I just don't know who you'd cast. Like, who has the patter and the charisma and the verve to give you this. That's the sad state of (laughs) where we are in film today is that we have not been doing, you know, no, I I think we've been, we've been up our asses completely Hollywood. I think you guys have kind of shirked your responsibility because take what Netflix is doing. Yeah. They're Mm -hmm. investing in people like, uh, uh, David Fincher mm-hmm. and Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. But 99% of the time they're investing in TikTok stars and yeah. they're saying, let's make rom-coms with TikTok stars who can't act, but we know that'll get us 
viewers and get us subscribers and they're not interested in the quality at all. Sure. Yeah, no, both of those things are true, but also I will take a shot at giving money to Martin Scorsese and David Fincher and be like, I want to see more movies from those guys, I guess. But also you could spread out the money that you give to those guys and give them to young filmmakers as well. But that's what I'm I'm saying. Yeah. They're giving it to the wrong filmmakers. They're giving it to the filmmakers who are just pursuing followers yeah. and who are just pursuing money and not or, actually interested in the or art Or people of it. who have a huge career already. Right. Yeah. But so where's the middle ground is what you're saying. I, yeah. Because it used to be that in the 90s that way more movies came out in movie theaters and a lot of them got forgotten. But mm. it gave us the chance for like a little movie like Soy Married and Axe Murders. Like this is a dumb flimsy comedy, but it's for me a gem. And those kind for of a like, lot of people, it's a gem. Yeah. But we don't we don't have those chances now because they're not even investing in sparkling young talent that are coming out of SNL anymore. They're just saying like, well, this person has a million followers in TikTok. And that's the only metric that they need to have to have a movie. Well, I mean, uh, so I, I don't know as much about it as you, but uh, the way that you're saying it, it's like 80% of their movies are being made by TikTok stars. Not uh, not not in that sense, but just in the sense of either they're being cast because they're in TikTok or they don't even care. They're not even trying to find oh, so we're talking. Talent. Okay, so sorry. I, I, I was confused because you were talking about giving money to... Martin Scorsese and David Fincher, who are directors, and now you're talking about casting TikTok stars. Well, the film gets greenlit because it's got a TikTok star. That's why it's getting made in the first place. Gotcha. Okay. And it's just kind of like, why don't you cast talented people? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you just look at it, it's like, you cannot act. You cannot do this movie. I'm sorry. Sure. Well, I think there are plenty of good actors out there, though. Yeah. Um, what I'm, I'm We're not s- investing in them. Enough, we should be, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I've seen them. They're out there. They're being invested in. Just not enough. Exactly. I don't want to complain about Netflix and TikTok stars. I want to see who do you think has the chops these days to pull it off? Because I think Hugh Grant in the 90s definitely would have. That's my point is that I don't know anymore. I don't, we're not, we're not getting, we're lucky to have Robert what Pattinson a, these days. What about a Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Um, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. But I, but Catherine Hepburn level, man, once in a generation kind of thing, you know. And I, I don't think so. Who is who is today's? Or I, we, do we have we just? I'd not say non applicable. Like well, I don't I, I, see. So that's not that's so unhopeful though. <laughs> it is. It's very. I, I just complained for five minutes about Netflix stars, and but that's kind of like where I'm at. What I'm what I'm saying is we should put it to the audience and say, hey, who's somebody you like and has as much verve as these actors? There's there's a lot of people who get to ninety percent of Catherine Hepburn's level. Like I think I Gina, I think Gina Rodriguez is amazing, and she's she's lovely and wonderful, and I want you back and better than that material in my opinion. But yeah. I can I can round off like fifteen twenty actors who could get to ninety percent, but no one is coming close for the for the full Monty, unless Robert Pattinson gives it a try. That guy can do anything. Right. I think um, honestly, after seeing. Daniel Radcliffe in The Lost City. I think he could pull, he could get pretty close. I think if if you start giving, like, I mean, now that rom-coms are coming back, if you get a really good director, a great script, and Daniel Radcliffe plus, I don't know who those other people are, and that's what I'm throwing out to the audience right now. Like, let us let us know like who who else would you add to this movie? So my question is, we still have a few contemporary rom-com stars that are <laughs> 
Hey guys, Ryan from the future here. Uh, I just wanted to chime in here. Right after this, we kind of go off the deep end and start complaining about the state of Hollywood. It's not a very productive conversation, and frankly, it doesn't go anywhere at all. So I wanted to spare you the bitching and moaning we have about the state of things. And, you know, we should just get back to the good stuff. So I'm just going to jump ahead and get back into uh, the Patreon conversation of this month's poll. Uh, yes, at the Patreon, we have a new poll up because you guys voted. And next week we are doing, as you say, we are... D- we are bidden to do it. Um, uh, next week, it's the Thin Man. Yep. Uh, so you Which, in this Rachel. movie, was both Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart. They're both lithe gentlemen. Mm, they were very thin, very... Men. Uh, the other very guy, men. George Kittredge, was 32, and I'm like, you're 50. Like, he looks like a leather face. He, he had a couple city miles on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but he definitely looked... He looked the man of the people he was supposed to There's be. There's just... Like back then, it's like remind me not to smoke a pipe every day. Yeah, it's just he, he like I'm looking at a picture of him now, and he's got like this very jowly kind of wispy mustache too, and yeah. it's just like, like you can't see somebody whose hair does that. Like he, he almost has like undone Princess Leia buns, <laughs> <laughs> and you you're you're obviously out of your twenties if your hair looks like this. Absolutely, probably even further. So at the Patreon, mm-hmm. this month we're doing wedding movies. Wedding movies. So you got My Best Friend's Wedding, Bride Wars, Bridesmaids, and The Wedding Planner. So if you want us to watch one of those and and review it, we'll have, do it. You have no choice but to vote for it, and we will watch it. Yeah, come to Patreon. It's patreon.com slash gents, where you will also find my essay this week. What did mm-hmm. it... Did you, did you, were you, were you given it? Um, um, hold on. Is this it? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me look. I haven't, I haven't read it yet. Um, oh, sorry. No, that's my, yeah, that's this one. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yes. It is on Meat Cutes. The, uh, it's the, the art of the meat cute. M E E T. Yeah, the meat cute. Mm-hmm. Um, yummy, yummy. You know when bears go out and go for their prey. Meat cute. Pursu- meat cute <laughs> pursued by bears. <laughs> um, and just the the act of getting out and being among people for the first seeing time and in being two years. Seen, yeah, I, there's a there is a large chunk of time where I don't know. I don't know about any of you out there in podcast land, but when when I'm out at a coffee shop, my brain is so trained to think, "Am I going to meet somebody here?" <laughs> <laughs> and part of that's because of movies. Part of it's because of a desperate twenties, um, and you know, probably teens a little bit too. And I I just think that there's so, something so special about being single and out there. Mm-hmm. amidst people in the world because who knows what could happen and that's kind of like the possibility that you should live with every day and what good movies do live with uh, I just think it's funny that in our lives today when we do get out we usually have a child with us and babies are chick magnets oh yeah and have you not noticed this I don't have a lot of baby birds <laughs> in my vicinity but I go to coffee shops and or to the park and there's always like, oh, your baby's so cute. And I'm like, it's so ironic that it's so easy to meet people when you have a baby 
just at the point where you don't need to be meeting people. Honestly, I'm still at that point where when I take my baby for a walk, it's mainly just to get her to sleep. Mm. So I don't have like a baby that's for seeing people. Whenever somebody walks up and it's like, hey, I'm like, shut up. <laughs> my child's sleeping. You will, you will very soon get to the social part of okay. just being out and about with wait. the child. Yeah. And because you go on little adventures with them. Because like today we went downtown. We went to the nice coffee shop. We went to a park. We were out and about. Who'd Portland? You, who'd you meet? <laughs> no one. But Portland, I will say this. Northwest Portland, 90% of the pedestrians had a dog with them. I was very impressed. I was like, you guys are all taking care <laughs> of dogs. You, did, like you're walking by people and you're like, good job. Good job. Good job. Good, job. good for you. Good for you. <laughs> but you pet the, the, the owner. But I was. it was kind of like a Twilight Zone moment where I stopped and I looked at every pedestrian I saw. And I was like, dog, 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 double dog, dog. It was amazing. Wait, were you the only person with a baby? Are you sure your baby's not a dog? Have you checked? <laughs> Twilight Zone. <laughs> you're not a baby, you're a dog. Yeah, and you take off all the bandages <laughs> on his face and he was a dog the whole time. Oh my time. god. Um anyways, I think it's I think it's a funny circumstance when you're meeting people, uh-huh. but you don't need to be meeting people when you have a baby. Sure. You can still make friends. Yeah. Robin and I had a couple meet cute like at a food cart because we took her for a walk she went down and we're like hey food cart food we're starving parents sure Mm -hmm. and so we sat down and then we met another couple that had a baby and one of them was french one of them was not french Mm -hmm. and i they want to hang out and (laughs) i'm like i want to make it happen (laughs) and it was a good meet cute because we're all like babies and (laughs) stuff but oh man it's just hard. just coming over here and talking to you. It is hard. I mean, it is a lot of work. It is hard talking to you sometimes. Uh, so yeah, read Kelly's essay on Meet Cute, Pursued by Bears, mm-hmm. um, and listen to our bonus episode on Turning Red. Uh, I had a I had an interesting conversation with Lauren. I'm hoping that she'll write in because she had thoughts on the movie and she heard our episode. And I want oh, nice. her to I want, I want to hear her thoughts. Yeah. Lauren, give us your thoughts. We'll read them on air. Or and, maybe not on air, but we'll read them. We'll read them. And in a, in addition, I think this month we're going to be doing season four Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So come on over. Again, patreon.com slash romcom gents. Join for the fun. Stay for the love. Oh, yuck. But I love it. <laughs> um, well, now that we... Well, that kind of... Like, like sure. filial love. Sure. Uh, let's let's move on to a, a, a cozier topic. Uh, do you want to read some letters? Yes, I do. Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you've got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. We got a letter this week from a new listener to the show, Monique Stout, who says she's enjoying the podcast, but also just was flabbergasted by the fact that we were not in love with Moulin Rouge. Mm. Ryan, I, I distinctly remember you having a pretty big. Excuse me, you were you were you were hard on no, excuse, not hard on it, hard on, on it, heart on it, heart on it. You had heart on for it. I, I I remember the movie fondly for sure, and I had uh, a very good time defending parts of it from you. <laughs> but I I did um, I, I I did not love it as much as I did way back in the day but what I did want to like she she brought it up but she's like you know I I still love it and I still like the podcast and 
I I do really enjoy the fact that people enjoy things. Like it's one of my favorite things is to see someone find joy in something. And so I just want to reiterate because Monique was so cool about us, you nice. know, you know our opinions. I just want to reiterate that if we don't like something that you like that's you know that's just us man love what you love it always, and i'm so glad you do love it it bums me out when we when i'm when i watch something or read something and i go to a critic and they're on the opposite side of the fence on oh, me, I'm like, me too no i need to feel heard <laughs> i know and like that's why it sucks being a critic sometimes because you're like okay i'm gonna be honest for my with my opinion and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I guess I can't help it. Right. Like, I've stopped listening to podcasts before because, like, unnamed podcasts kept bashing Lord of the Rings like Mm. every other episode. Mm -mm. And after about 20 or 30, I'm just like, I can't listen to you bash one of my favorite movies anymore. I mean, I didn't stop listening to this podcast, but I had to turn off their bonus episode on the last season of Game of Thrones because they just spent the whole episode being like, that was so stupid. And then this part also was stupid. I'm like... Not only are you guys being petty, but you're not doing anything productive. Like I feel like we're like that every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> yeah, but it's just kind of like just saying it's stupid and you hate it. That's not actually articulating things. Like not to defend. I'm like, well, I articulated why I didn't like Mulan Rouge, so it's okay. <laughs> I mean, you. I, I feel like I feel like just uh, there, we came to the conclusion that it wasn't your cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that should be for any movie that I get negative on. It's like okay. Obviously, you can tell by this review that it wasn't my cup Unless of it's tea. like reprehensibly bad or something. Or offensively bad, where yeah. it's like, you're just being assholes the way that like we came together. I was like, you guys are mean. <laughs> I know. And it's it's like, we love all the people involved. We're just yeah. like, this is bad. But anyways, we we certainly get the love for Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Of, like, of all the movies out there, it's like... Yeah, it's got its fans and for good reason. Yeah, I mean, its gift is its song. And that one was for a lot of its fans. Wow, that was good. <laughs> but there's a documentary that was on like like the hundred great filmmakers that ever existed. And there's a section on Baz Luhrmann. And this movie is very high and mighty about all of this stuff. It's very hoity-toity. And, and this had to be like, look, Baz Luhrmann, we have to talk about him. Like, he is important no matter uh-huh. what. And like we saw the trailer for the Elvis Presley movie, and you're like, I'm excited for that. I'm I like, am. This looks like a Baz Luhrmann movie. It, it does, but there's something that is is so emotional about mm-hmm. a Baz Luhrmann movie that it, it's it's like that person that comes into town every once in a while and is like, okay, I can't hang out with them <laughs> every day, but. This, it's, this might be a good night. And he's the kind of person where you go to the second location to and I go home. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. But yeah, I, I get it. Well, well. Uh, thank we you got for another writing one? in. Uh, we got another one from Jonu again. Jonu or Janu, please correct me. I gotta get this right. Yeah, uh, in your next email, send us a phonetically correct... Um, and you can address it, hey, morons. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By all means, this is on us. <laughs> Um, she said she listened to our Splash episode, um, and she said, so in that episode, you bring up that most people agree with Ryan, and I realized that in most episodes, I agree with Kelly. So when we disagree, I'm shocked, and that becomes the thing that sticks. What am I doing right now? <laughs> You're just basking in the glory. Yes, that is exactly what I'm doing. Um, but she ended the paragraph saying overall i'm generally on robin's side of the debates though. i mean she's much smarter than either of us but i don't i don't know how often we bring up robin's side of things but i'm glad that she's got her like fan <laughs> i feel like we need to get her and my wife together 
my <laughs> wife. And be like, you guys you, watch movies because you you'll just it. be turning to each other and giving each other Fonzie looks the whole time. But, yeah. you know, we get some letters that will be like, Ryan was correct about this. And I just want to say a list. Like, it sounds like you were. See, you, I thought, you were, I thought you were hiding all of those. So this really makes me feel. That's why better. we have Thank letters. You. It's like we got to we got to put it out there in the open. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, something else we have to put out there in the open, Ryan, is the next award. The Golden Sword Award. She A blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The Golden Sword. Indeed. I think the Golden Sword goes to Dinah. <laughs> Man, this movie's so good. You could give the Golden Sword to a bunch of different moments. Um, I, I'm very specifically not giving it to Jimmy Stewart, not to tip my hand, because he will be getting some more gold mm-hmm. in this episode. But Dinah deserves the sword because... She's just such a wild card firecracker who is far too articulate for a child her age that I think if I gave her the golden sword, she would know immediately what to do with it. Yeah. Ooh, I'd be afraid of, of what she would end up doing with it. But yeah. She's like, I've <laughs> got smallpox. <laughs> um, I'm giving my golden sword award to the... Because, you know, we want to we want to be unique with it, but I I am just going to give it to Jimmy Stewart individually, and I'm not okay. gonna, I'm not even going to say double actor swords because I'm not even going to say best performance from Jimmy mm-hmm. Stewart. It's like whatever Jimmy Stewart is doing here deserves it needs to be recognized because there are things where he'll like call the mother in the house from another room yeah. and like crank call her from her own house uh-huh. and just his drunken CK Dexter Haven. That was a good Jimmy Stewart. Good job. <laughs> he, he, I just am grinning throughout that whole scene. So just like, it's not even a performance thing. It's just a persona stuff. Just, I really just love who he is in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. Um, well that brings us to, the real award. No, well, the real award? The snobby award. <laughs> this brings us to our rom-com Oscars. <laughs> and he was lifting his nose up at it, just so you all know. I mean, they could hear it. Yeah. That's what the sound everybody's nose makes <laughs> when you lift it. <laughs> that sounds like a goat. Anyways, the Oscar I'm giving, I hope you don't get mad, is Best Screenplay. No, why would I get mad? Because we're talking about how good the writing is in this movie. No, I mean that I would agree with you. It's oh, very, okay. very good. Great, great. Yeah, best screenplay indeed. Best screenplay. The dialogue, the plotting, the character development—it's all impeccable, and it should be studied in film school and normal school alike. Yeah, the second graders should be raised on this stuff. Indeed. Um, I'm gonna give this best cast. Best cast. It's. Um, I think everybody is perfectly cast. I wouldn't cast it any other way. I think, you know, I'm going back to your earlier query. I don't think we've had this kind of star power since the 90s. I think it died yeah. in the aughts. Yeah. I yeah. Think it just died off. I, because I think like the, 
You know how in the seventies you had people like Jack Nicholson, where yeah. it was like, he's a dirty leading man. And then Al Pacino, yeah. he's a dirty leading man. <laughs> and then Dustin Hoffman, he's not as dirty, but he's a leading man. Yeah, but but you you don't have like the height of class and beauty in mm-hmm. your actors like you do kind of today again, where it's just like, you know, if, if we're in a Marvel movie, everybody here is a supermodel. Right. Right. I'm just thinking about Robert Pattinson. And I don't know if he's dirty leading man or just leading man. No, I think I think he's he's very unique. I just um, I I see the internet and they're like the guy from Twilight and I'm like he deserves your respect. Uh, yeah, I think he's he's I I think he's fine. Like he was there for us a long time ago. I think he's finally getting there with everybody else through the Batman. Um, but I I do think that. We're on a precipice, and I think we'll get there again. But like, like in the seventies, like just think of something like um, that we've watched on this show: um, Seth Rogen, Catherine Heigl, Knocked Up. Yeah. Okay. So this is a movie that has like fifteen characters in it, right? Yeah. You have Paul Rudd. You yeah. have um, Jason Segel. Jason Segel. You have Jason Segel's in that one. And yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's the friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have all of these different people who are all famous actors. Right. Right. None of them are giant stars, though, probably besides Seth Rogen. But like even Paul Rudd and Catherine Heigl and Jason Segel, they're, they're all like living on this level where I like them a lot, mm-hmm. but they're not movie stars. Give it a few years. I think Robert Pattinson, I keep coming back to him because I'm in love with him. But I think we need a, a Godfather or like a One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Like we need a big movie to like push the acting into a new echelon. Yeah. And I I also think we need to do it with young. Oh gosh, I hate saying this because like we need movies that have old people in them too. <laughs> but like the last time I thought about like a big movie that came out with all these actors that was like, oh, this movie is big. It's probably the fucking Irishman. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we've seen all these guys in movies together a bunch of times before. Yeah. Like, please, like we, that, that $300 million could go somewhere else. Yeah. And I, so I agree with you. Like, I want to see that, that, like, I mean, I guess one of the closer equivalents these days would be something like, um, was that Ryan Johnson, um, mystery knives out knives out. Like that's close. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Craig. I get the, I get the star wattage from him. Sure. But there, but there is something about it that doesn't feel like there's any, it doesn't feel like we're watching a bunch of stars be stars. Right. Right. And where so have again, all the movie the stars gone? Where have all the movie stars gone? I think they're there. I think we're just not making movies like that anymore. That's the problem. It's well, the that's mo- what I was saying before. But I mean, in a sense, the movies got small, right? Because yeah. like, wait, you what was just, that from? Um, Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, and the pictures got small, and Gloria Swanson was right because like these big deal things with the movies or TV shows are just kind of converging on Apple TV or Netflix or Hulu or Paramount Plus or Disney Plus. It's just it's a race towards the bottom of like. Watch it on your phone. It'll be a great time. How can you have a movie star Shine. if they're premiering yeah. on your iPhone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm there with you. I, I think, unfortunately, at the moment, we're in the minority. 
Prove uh. us wrong, Hollywood. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, best, best, best cast. Hey, <laughs> here, bring me out of this this doldrum, okay? I'm in some flotsam. I'm in some jetsam. I need to. I need some hope. Let me string my harp and ask you. Who would you fall in love with? Ah, see, I'm rising. I'm rising from the muck. Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. (laughs) But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. Ah, oh, this is a hard one. Mm-hmm. That's what <laughs> they said. I can go. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going with what's her name, Liz. Liz, the photographer. The photographer. I like her a lot. Yeah. Um, every other person is questionable. Mm-hmm. Like Catherine Hepburn is a lot. She is <laughs> way well, too much to handle. She's is she? I mean, you got to keep up with her. You got to keep up with her. C.K. Dexterhaven can keep up with her. Sure. I cannot keep up with C.K. Dexterhaven. Mm. He's too much. Oh, I see. There's math going on. <laughs> yeah. It's transitive properties. Sure. Jimmy Stewart is close, but he would be too morose most weekends. We're kind of cynical. I'm like, do you want to go out? And he's like, oh, what's the point? <laughs> it's like to have fun. He's like, how can you have fun if you can't even write your own novel? It's like, good point. Good point. I guess we'll stay but in and Liz eat can handle him. Liz is great. She's dry. She's sardonic. She's like, eh, I can make something out of this. And she's really cute. Yeah. So. Yeah. And George Kittredge. Right out. I don't want to hang out with him at all. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Go fall off a horse. <laughs> um, gosh, Catherine Hepburn sure is sweet to George when she doesn't need to be. Yeah. Isn't she? Yeah. Because he like. He he doesn't do the horse very well, and she's like, "Stop laughing at him." <laughs> I, fuck, man, I, I do think that Jimmy Stewart's actually a little too intense for me in this movie. I'm between CK and Tracy Lord, TL, CK mm. and TL. Um, I just want to be between them. I mean, <laughs> are we allowed to have package deals? Um, no, we have to pick. Yeah. I mean, if I did, you'd have to. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Okay. But I think I'm going to go with C.K. Dexter Haven. Yeah. He's cleaned himself up. Definitely. He makes boats. He's a sailor. He sails out on the ocean. He sails like a sailor. He also is kind of Machiavellian in a way that I find slightly attractive. <laughs> oh, it's super hot because he's foxy. Like he's literally being foxy with Yeah. Them. Yeah. So I think I'm going with him. Like I really thought I was going to say Tracy Lord in this movie, but I'm going to go CK Dexter Haven because I could always call him that too. CK Dexter Haven. <laughs> I love your Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Anyways, that's the Philadelphia story, a bona fide masterpiece if you ever heard it from us. So go check it out. Please. Definitely deserves its bonus and its fee days. <laughs> Next week, we're doing The Thin Man, one of the greatest mystery comedy romance films of all time. It's a little more. Do you think it's a little more screwball than this? Kind of screwball, but some of the best chemistry ever captured on screen. If you can believe it, more drinking than this movie. Absolutely. A lot more drinking. Um, so. Get prepared. Go watch that. That's your homework. It's The Thin Man. It's fantastic. We'll put our cards on the table right now. Right now. 
um, check out the Patreon, check us out on Instagram, mm-hmm. on Facebook, mm-hmm. and do us a favor. Tell your friends about us. Yeah. Tell them in like a fun Jimmy, like how would Jimmy Stewart do this? Oh, uh, I got this podcast thing and I like to listen to it when I'm on the car drive home. Oh, there you go. You got there. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's hard to get into a Jimmy Stewart. You got to really get into the droll. Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Hey, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you, can you do a Don Knotts? Brian! <laughs> um, yeah, so just throw us, throw us, throw us a review. It would be it would, really it lovely. Would super help. Um, tell your grandma about us. Yeah, she, she tell warn her about the swears. Well, Kelly, I love you so much that I'd build a boat and name it the True Love after us. When that sank, Ryan, I'd build you one called the True Love Three. Oh yeah, just because I'm that much more in love with you than C.K. Dexter Haven was with Tracy Lord. Damn. And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe. We'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms.